It is no accident that we are all here today. This day, like any other day, is ordained by God. But this day, God called us all here together in this place to praise and worship him. Nothing in the life of God is an accident. Let us pray. Holy God, you hold this world, your world, in the palm of your hand. We pray for all people, especially families and people who face life-altering changes because of war and rumors of war. Comfort us all in these hours and days of suffering. Transform the hearts of all world leaders such that they will listen to you and hear you and you alone and not the desires of their own hearts and minds. We come before your holy presence in this place as one in the body of Christ longing to hear from you. We seek to listen with receptive, with receptive hearts. We admit that our human limitations leave us incomplete without you day by day. Fill the empty spaces of our lives with your presence and transform us into your likeness that the world may witness the comfort of your tender loving kindness through our actions. Use me as a willing vessel to hear, to listen, and to speak the truth. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all hearts present be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and my Redeemer. And this is our prayer in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Today is the day that marks Transfiguration Sunday on the liturgical calendar. It's a signpost. It's much like a mile marker is on the highway that reminds us of where we are. It's not highly celebrated in the Western churches, but it is a signpost, and it tells us where we are, that we are approaching Lent, the season on the Christian journey. Today, on the Christian calendar, is the day when God revealed the divine glory of his beloved son. For me, today is a day to honor my mountaintop experiences. These experiences have transformed me, and God is still developing me and writing my story. As we listen to the word of God, I invite you to do the same thing. Honor your mountaintop experiences, the place where God reveals who you are in him. Listen to the words from the Gospel of St. Luke. 
You may find them in the Pew Bible on page 944. I will read them. Um, and you won't see them on the, on the screen. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They too were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and they saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, but he did not know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. And as they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the vo voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. Now it sounds like we are really just dropping into a scene that occurred, but we didn't get a chance yet to hear what happened just before that caused Luke to say, now about eight days after these sayings. So just to give a backstory, a lot was going on and Jesus was focused on his mission. He had a mission that he needed to accomplish and his time was winding down or winding up, depending on how you want to look at it but his time was coming. And he had already engaged in giving the disciples their mission and sent them out two by two early in chapter nine. And they had gone out and come back and now people were coming from everywhere. And as they came, they pressed in and pressed in and Jesus had to go up to the top of the mountain so he could preach to them, but there was no food. And so the experience of feeding the people. And then he reminded them that it was his time. And take it too well. The disciples, especially Peter, Peter was kind of rambunctious, as many of you know. 
And so it put them in a bad state of mind that they have spent this time with the Messiah, with their rabbi, and he was telling them that he would not be with them very long. So just eight days before, now Luke says eight days, but Mark and Matthew say six days. And I have a theory on that, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But just before that occurred, Jesus said to him, to them, to the 12, I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see God's kingdom. Now, what exactly did Jesus mean? They weren't really sure, and of course, they had their usual conversations about it. But then Jesus decided to spend some time with his father on the mountaintop, and he took three of his closest friends, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Now, we know that in the life of Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. So as they were embarked on the mountain, and this is supposedly the high mountain, it could have taken them two days, that's the reason that he says eight and they say six. It could have taken them two days. No one tells us how long it took them to climb that mountain. But if you all are going to Nepal and you look at a few mountains, then you may get a really good idea of what it would be to climb a tall mountain. And so the closest that I have to a mountain is when they're building homes and you know how they pile the dirt up. You climb that as a kid. That's a mountain to me. But at any rate, they were on top of this mountain, and they were really there to pray. Peter, James, and John. Why is this the inner circle? Because they were really the first, three of the first disciples that Jesus called. We're missing Andrew, the brother of Peter, and that's how he's always called. But John tells us that Andrew was actually the first, and he got his brother on board. At any rate, the three of them were there. And I can imagine that this is what Jesus was doing as he was praying to his father. Father, this is what I have. These are my three best guys. One of them is always a little shaken up and ready to jump at the sign of distress. The other one has sometimes emotional issues. And the other one is just relaxing, and he's always kind of lazy. These are my inner circle. This is my inner circle. God, Father, Dad, accept them. Let them 
see the glory. And Judas, the wolf, because we all have a wolf in our lives, he's down at the bottom, Dad. He's not part of the inner circle, but I just wanted to remind you, he's there. He's there. He's lurking. We have an inner circle. I have an inner circle. And you all are all a part of my inner circle. But with Jesus, he could only bring those three. Because had he brought the 12, then Judas would have seen the glory. And if you're a wolf, what are you going to do? You figure out a way to stop what's happening. So he's praying, and his friends, his inner circle, are nodding. They're just, I mean, think about it. They just climbed up a mountain unless Jesus snapped his finger and they were there. So they're up on the top of the mountain, probably leaning on each other. You know, there are many different ways to pray. And I imagine that Jesus was kneeling. He could have prayed with his arms out like David, or prostrate like David's. He could have done a number of things, but I really believe they were kneeling. And Jesus' clothes begin to shine, and if you're asleep and someone turns the light on, if you're a light sleeper, what happens? <laughs> you wake up. So how could this, this vision, this light, shine without them waking up? They finally came to. And here they are, looking at the splendor of Jesus Christ. Jesus shows us his splendor every day. We see it, the grass. We see the splendor and the flowers and the beauty of the world and the earth and other people. He shows us the splendor. We just have to be ready to listen. So they were talking about his departure, and I thought the word departure was an, was an interesting word in this space. Because what do we mean when we say departure? Well, I don't use that word if I'm leaving, but he was departing. So you heard Ferdy talk about my experience in seminary. So I have to throw a few Greek words out here just to make it work. And the word departure in Greek is exodus. So we have the book of Exodus, which was the departure of the Israelites from Egypt. The word exodus means, it's, it's really two words, ex, so we have an exit sign. And then hodas, which means the road out. So Jesus was talking to the law and the prophet, the representatives of what we call the Old Testament. I mean, lots of history, but I believe that Elijah and Moses had quite a bit of questions for Jesus because they weren't equal. 
Jesus was in charge. They were speaking about his way out, strengthening Jesus, giving him what he also needed for his journey. Transfiguration. Jesus is the only term, only person uh, that I've heard that term used. Transfiguration. It means to be transformed in the human sense. But in the case of Jesus, it's a spiritual transformation. So his dazzling whiteness came to view. And that was the glory and the divine Christ. So this transfiguration is really how God transforms us. But we are transformed. Uh, And when I hear that, I always think in the renewing of our minds. So we transform daily. We change physically. I used to be this tall. We change all the time, every day. We change in our thinking, that's a transformation. But the most important part of our lives is our spiritual transformation. And as we look to Jesus, that begins to happen. Now, also, (laughs) the statement that this departure would happen in Jerusalem. It wasn't going to happen outside of Jerusalem. That's why I say we're not here by any accident. You didn't bring yourself here. God allowed that. So Jesus' departure would occur in Jerusalem where God said it would happen. When God wants an event to take place, he chooses where it will take place. Now, as the men were getting ready to leave, Peter does as Peter does. Now, he jumped up and he said, it's a good thing that we're here. (laughs) God needs, Jesus needs Peter's help to build these tabernacles. Now, let's help Peter out, because Peter built tabernacles for the tabernacles of the feast. That's when they celebrated the days of being in Egypt and their exodus. So maybe Peter was thinking about that. But something else used to occur during those times is that people who worshipped idols would would build little temples or shrines and house their lowercase gods in to protect them from the weather or whatever else, but so that you could see them. Perhaps Peter just wanted to hold on to the glory that occurred on the mountaintop. This was a beautiful thing. And they had already been warned 
that not everybody would get this opportunity. We don't know what Peter was thinking, <laughs> but we do know that the cloud came. Now, this is sort of like going to the principal's office. I know none of you ever had to go to the principal's office, but if you're ever called to the principal's office, it's a big deal, usually. They're not calling you to shake your hand. They're calling you because you did something. And here, Peter calls God. God is trying to protect him at this point. That's what I see. It's like protecting a child. They are just about to run out into the street and you say, hey, stop. Listen to me. But I know and I believe that God's voice came with love like it comes to us. When we, even when we're stirring a pot or we're in our mess, he comes and reminds us He comes to us and he reminds us that he is more important than our mess that we're in, than the behaviors that we have, than sometimes the friends that we think are our friends. So needless to say, the tabernacles never got built because God came down in a cloud. Now, I don't recall any other time that the cloud had come down since God escorted them in Exodus 13, when it says the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them. And so this voice came out he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Now, I had a little fun here. I'm going <laughs> to ting, ta, da. Escuete, ene. Escuchalo, a el. If I get this right, Luister, nahom. Listen to him. So Jesus, we're going to get ahead in the story because this happens after 40 days plus. Leaves the Holy Spirit, but we already know the story. We're just living it out in our daily lives. So Jesus leaves the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit with them. They had Jesus with them. Now, that's not to say the Holy Spirit wasn't there all the time, but they had the physical presence of Jesus Christ. And then he said, I will, my Father will send the Holy Spirit. So, when we are busy in our lives, and I know we all have 
some type of busyness in our lives. We're still required to listen to the Holy Spirit, which is listening to Jesus. John Calvin said that we are under the tutelage only of Jesus Christ. So God is the principle. Jesus Christ, God, is our, is our teacher, our rabbi, teaches us. And the Holy Spirit helps to transform us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Now, I want to go back because when, when, John, when Peter, John, and James heard the voice of God, they were in awe. What do you think? you would do if you audibly heard the voice of God. I mean, we hear it when this beautiful choir sings. I heard it when Sam sang the song. But the audible voice of God. Matthew says, when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up. Do not be afraid. So I say to you today, get up. You lost a dream? Get up. You forgot what your mission is? Get up. Do not be afraid. You think maybe you should try something? Get up. Do not be afraid. Jesus made his exodus, but he bequeathed to us the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit speaks. Listen. Listen. Now, I have a, a story to tell, and I've been given permission to tell this story. And then I'll be done. Out of your hair. I've spent some time with the Lighthouse Kids. And if you've never spent time with the Lighthouse Kids, it's the most adorable time that you could um, have. And Miss Nicole Gower is doing an awesome job with the children. So I spent a couple of Wednesdays there. And God actually wrote this sermon. He wrote the end of the sermon while I was sitting there. I had no idea. And so there's Harmony, Courtney's daughter, and Nevaeh, Robin's granddaughter. And Miss Gower had given instructions for the children to break up into groups to perform this activity, and it was coloring and picking out animals. And, I, and one of the children, um, was just not having a good day. And so I thought, well, I can fix this. I love kids. They love me. I'm going to stretch out on the floor <laughs> and help 
and, and not get too close, but close enough. So I took a paper and my crayon and I began to color. And this child turned his back to me or her back. And Harmony witnessed this turning. And without skipping a beat, she said, you can come with us. <laughs> Most kids don't want adults around at all. So I thought, what's God doing here? What is God saying in this three things here? So I went around this child and I joined Nevea and Harmony who were coloring. And so I'm thinking the adult way, and I said, so <laughs> when you're, you know, collaborating, you start talking and you say, okay, so what are you looking for? And they totally ignored me. And <laughs> so finally, Harmony said, well, I'm trying to find whatever animal it was. And so I thought, okay, well, we're going to do this together. And again, they ignored me. And it was okay. So finally... Miss Gower called the children back together. But this one child was not having it and would not join the group. And Novea, can I put you on the spot, Miss Novea? Please stand. Just wave at everybody. Thank you. Novea reached over and she around this child and drew this child to her. And I thought, what's going on here? This is beautiful. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful, my heart just started fluttering because she was listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to her to include this person who was trying very hard not to be included. And she brought this child to her. And then it was time for this moment to be over. So now they're going to prayer in another section. And Nevaeh went about her business and Harmony went about her business. And I stood there trying to figure out what is God doing. And finally, the child who had self-excluded said, where Nevea is, and he ran to find Nevea. So the Holy Spirit is amazing, and we have young children listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so it's just an example of how we Two, can hear and listen to the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you lead us and you guide us. I thank you for the lighthouse children and all children of this world. Those who have yet to be born, we ask that you bless 
those who are in, who are there ready to see your glory, to know who you are, and allow us to be present for them. Allow us as the adults in the room, as the inner circle, to be there to help guide the way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.